All right, okay, so a lot of the people who are listening to this are going to be people who like swinging kettlebells, running 400 meters, doing kipping reps of this, touch and go reps of that. Um, but what we're going to talk about today is how you could potentially use bodybuilding, more traditional resistance training, and how that can be helpful for people within CrossFit. Um, this is sort of just off of the back of a conversation that Andy and I were having. I think both of us have uh, been playing around with different um, bodybuilding style training for the last year or so. And we've also had it as part of our CrossFit programs. And we've definitely been influenced by the likes of Mr. Dorian Yates, Lee Haney, John Meadows and such. So first off, Andy, give us a bit of a, like a, a story of your um, training over the last year. And you can go further back than that if you want to as well around bodybuilding. What is it you're sort of trying to get from it? Maybe um, a couple of things that you start to implement in some of your athletes training um, that has specifically come from the training you've been doing with the bodybuilder. Um, well, I mean, I started training, um, started just started training doing bodybuilding splits. You know, uh, that's all that was all, all the information that was available to me um, as I was growing up in the UK. Obviously, outside of the UK, strength and conditioning was a bit more of a thing. Um, you know, however, my dad took me and got me involved, and it's always been a significant part of my training uh, throughout my life. Um, uh, up until probably the um, until I found CrossFit, to be honest with you, even at um, the time where I was playing and I was involved with uh, the Bath Rugby Academy and you know doing all the bits with the the, um, the the first team training sessions in the gym, it was still very um, aesthetics based. Um, so not push pull, not so much squatting. Um, you know, the Olympic lifts weren't necessarily taught because. I just don't think the, the guys had the uh, ability to do it, but they were there in a sprint gym. Fast forward, all right, CrossFit, just done loads and loads of CrossFit, weightlifting, loads and loads of weightlifting. And um, what I found becoming into a coach, it's more specifically working with the female athletes, is that um, a lot of the male athletes that get into like, the sport of fitness have done the bodybuilding route at some point. So they understand, you know, how I to engage muscles, that kind of stuff. They've got the necessary development there. However, uh, there's a lot of um, a lot of uh, what do they say? There's a lot left on the table for a female athlete if they've not done any of the bodybuilding. And so what you will see, and I think you know, two is a good example of this, you know, very uh, highlighted, where you know they do accessory work, you know, in order to bring something up. Uh, I mean, if you have a look at um, you know females that I've worked with uh, and are working with, right? They they they've gone through a, uh, a bodybuilding piece, whether that's as accessory work or uh, whether it's uh, some slightly higher volume of, let's say, some squats or bits and pieces like that, but incorporating something as simple as a dumbbell bench, bench press, um, you know, has a, a big carryover for the female athlete, uh, I believe, just to bring, in terms of bringing more balance into the system so you can accomplish other bits and pieces. Um, up to my training, I guess, over lockdown, um, the first one, so from April 2020, 
Uh, I didn't actually do any training until roughly around about June because we were moving the gyms over the, the, the period of April, May, didn't really do anything. And then June, July, August, I uh, decided to give um, Thunder Bros um, Muscle Anarchy a go. Uh, so Dave Lipson's little thing there, and you know, took it. Uh, it was actually a thirty-day shred I started, and the muscle anarchy is the training program that goes along with it. So I started the, 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 the diet and what have you, and that. And um, yeah, it was simple. I just turned up to the gym. Uh, I just did chest one day, back the other, arms one, legs one, and all that kind of stuff. So it went into a basic body part split. And you basic, well, what I found is that you just try and hit every variation of muscular contraction mechanism that there is for muscle growth so whether it would be tempo whether it would be volume whether it would be load so you just try to hammer everything and not leave anything on the table um and then uh, fast forward to uh now um i've kept a lot of the um a lot of the bodybuilding principles in i've started actually doing quite a lot of kettlebell work so again i think that's an element where crossfit has relegated with kettlebell to a kettlebell swing when, however, uh, there is so much more to do with the kettlebell. Um, and that's been interesting in working the kettlebell for bodybuilding and strengthening purposes rather than the conditioning piece in which I see it within the sport fitness, whether that be a snatch or a, a swing. But I'm now doing double cleans, uh, front squats with a narrow stance, um, barefoot, working up to a max effort Turkish get-up rather than trying to do anything for reps and stuff like that. And I'm seeing quite a significant physiology change in terms of my, my body. It's more of a, af, I don't want to say athletic, but a lean, sinewy kind of um, aesthetic uh, appearance. Whereas when we were doing the bodybuilding or the muscle anarchy, I was pumped. I was pumped all the time. Um, what I found is with doing a specific day on the back, and as I said to you in the conversation, it made me realize how important that the development of the back is in general, across the board for all athletes, right? Because it, guess what? It takes up the most amount of musculature on the upper part of the frame. So if you're looking to stabilize everything and to give yourself a, a, a good shot, you've got to develop that back. And I think you've got to really sort of focus on that. That being said, not doing snatches, not doing cleans and doing the bodybuilding, when I came back to doing the snatches and the cleans, my front rack and my overhead position had completely gone. Um, but strong and could get the weight up there if I tried. Did I break up a bit there? So I broke you up. You broke up. No, there's, uh, you're in the middle of Starbucks. Uh, fair water. <laughs> um, no, all good. Uh, that's interesting, sort of go like what you said there with the uh, the kettlebell training. And what I think um, one of the things I've sort of gone through over the last year with my training was I started doing jujitsu, started to try to do CrossFit with that, didn't work. Found that I was just getting smashed from um, basically just. I think, you know, as, as a beginner in jujitsu, you tend to just push a little bit harder, uh, physically, and then it ends up just becoming like hard CrossFit all the time. Um, so then I dialed back on the conditioning sort of thought, okay, well, I can at least maybe do weightlifting and jujitsu and do like, you know, some strength training on the side. 
and joints weren't really happy with that. And then it pretty much just got stripped back bit by bit now to the point where I'm sort of just doing like a, a, a full body split. Uh, but I did play around with some different bodybuilding um, training bits and pieces over the summer. Um, similar to you, Andy, you know, before when I was playing rugby, I was doing some form of, you know, power building, weight, um, bodybuilding style split. Um, stealing the program from my mate who was at actually at Bath Uni because I, I wasn't good enough to get a program. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then it's gone full circle, and I think that it goes full circle for a lot of people. And training doesn't necessarily, uh, once you get past a certain point, have to be about really trying to sort of push numbers and metrics. And I think that one of the things you sort of mentioned there with the kettlebell was okay, that that's something that isn't included in as much competitive CrossFit, probably because the movement standards are a little bit difficult to sort of, uh, you know, run by. Sometimes you're not necessarily able to emit power onto it. Whereas with the barbell is a lot simpler, but I do think that people can get really caught up within their training and it just becomes sort of only barbell focused, um, a little bit of accessory work on the side, but even the accessory work is sort of pushed in a way which is like very, very similar to um, how someone would try to push their metrics within CrossFit, right? So they're trying to improve numbers on intervals. They're trying to improve numbers on their weightlifting. Um, and then when they go into this sort of accessory work, sometimes they can go in with the same attitude and they try to linearly progress, you know, bicep curls and bench press and chest flies and things like that. And it doesn't necessarily work. Uh, in the same way, you probably have to spend a little bit more time, especially in qu quite a lot of these isolated movements, um, especially if you don't have access to machines, because if you have access to machines, you could probably get away with adding a little bit of weight here and there because the movement isn't necessarily um, as demanding as it is with free weights. But obviously when people are training with barbell, dumbbell um, and those variations, and they are trying to just add on weight to it week to week. Sometimes that can end up actually, um, you know, a lot of people do accessory work to sort of avoid injury, but what you end up happening, sometimes people can just end up creating a new injury on top yeah. of it because yeah. they, they've gone, gone in with the, with, a, uh, with the wrong attitude per se. Um, whereas I think that one thing that could be useful for a lot of people within CrossFit is to sort of take this principle of, you know, accessory movement, focusing on the contraction, focusing on the movement quality, focusing on the position, uh, really sort of being invested in that as opposed to the numbers side of it, using that's, kettlebell. That is, yeah, that is a difficult, that's the difficulty, specifically if someone's come into the training game via the realm of CrossFit, because it, you know, CrossFit is about power output, it's about the metric. And I think when we start talking about skill development or accessory work or assistance work there needs to be another education process within the coaching cycle for that individual as well so it's you know similar to what you've been putting up in terms of the positions that you're trying to hold but you know it's it's where tempo does i feel really lend itself to um development i mean i'm not charles Barquin. Um, you know, you can see, um, you know, he was a massive advocate of time under tension. You know, from what I can see in regards to, let's say, um, strength athletes, they don't really care about tempo either. Okay. You know, I've never seen Eddie Hall try and do something in tempo. He just wants to rip it off the floor because you want to get that force development. 
okay, and that might force development to move along. But the accessory work or the temple work does help. I mean, you look at Dorian, yeah? You look at um, Ron Coleman. I know these are the genetic outliers and they're the best of the best, right? But they, at no point have I seen them use any temple. It's just, no, you just pick up the weight and you do, you know, it, that, does that make sense? Um, you know, like the West Side guys, I, I, I think, it, you know, they might talk about being controlled on an eccentric and they do over eccentrics, you know, where there's a, a massive, a, a, a lot of load, but they always try and create force as, 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 as quick as possible on the concentric phase. Um, so, you know, talking about um, speed and which uh, accessory work could be done, I would say, yeah, you could probably focus on both eccentric, isometric and concentric tempos. But then when to develop speed, let's say, uh, meaning you also want reactive strength or stretch reflex as well uh, for lifting load. Um, you know, but definitely on concentric phase, you just want to try and uh, go as fast as you can. Dr. Fred Hatfield's a mat, you know, was a massive proponent for, you know, comp compensatory uh, acceleration training. You know, it's, it, it's, it's there. So, again, uh, there's loads of different mechanisms, but looking at what the world's best do and then just trying to um, translate it into everyday nine to fivers, I think, you know, the big ticket, which you said, shape. How do you maintain shape? Well, you're going to have to either uh, do it with tempo and load. And don't chase the load, chase the shape. And then you can obviously increase load over time through that range of motion. Yeah, because I think, well, it's sort of when, say, for instance, you know, talking about these top bodybuilders, talking about um, these top strength athletes, it's very much like the, the use of tempo as such isn't the four digits, isn't the system that is being heavily used within CrossFit now which I think is definitely, you know, obviously it stemmed from Mr. Poliquin himself down to uh, Mr. OPT and, you know, it's gone into CrossFit, which I think is good. You know, it allows there to be a training variable there uh, for people to understand how they should perform the movement, you know, but really, really quite often I find that sometimes people just, they, they go with more of the weightlifter or powerlifter mentality and it's sort of seeing this as like, well, if there's no progression week to week in numbers in terms of how much I'm lifting or reps or anything like that, you know, is, am I getting something from this? And I think this is sometimes, you know, there, there's a certain pieces of training which are moving in the background, but you're not trying to progress. They're really there to sort of establish a solid base. You know, if you think about, um, you know, some stuff I've been getting into recently uh, is sort of similar to the gymnastics body type a lot of just isometric holes in different positions and stuff like that that is really really nuanced and it's very very quite difficult to sort of get people to understand um the 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 worth behind that training so that they can then apply it properly um because otherwise they'll sort of go in with the mentality of linear progression has to be increased something has to be you know pushed forward this week um but you know, generally speaking, once you do get, say, five years plus into your training career, you'll you'll notice that you're not pushing things in the way that you were previously. And I think that even in the bodybuilding world, you know, the um, what's the what's the lean Haney say? Stimulate. Stimulate not yeah, right. It's it's sort of it's it's trying to understand that 
that has a real place in training. It's really important to do that because everything else is so much is so centered around numbers and around improving things. You know, when do you actually get the chance to train things and offset that? You know, and and um, really quite often the uh, the thinking is very much okay. I'm weak here. I need to do this, or you know, the, and there's not necessarily this sort of um, third order consequence thinking around stuff. It's very much just black and white. Uh, I need to do this to get better at this, so I just need to do more of it. And I think sometimes people just need to sort of appreciate that training is sort of this thing that maybe you just do for 90 minutes, two hours a day, especially, you know, if you're wanting to be competitive in the sport, you've just got to turn up six days a week and that has got to be the first part of your process. And then going into what you do, when you do that then becomes something that you look into and you explore more. So once you're consistent with that, as opposed to, you know, only being able to train three days a week, four days a week, you know, semi-consistently and then worrying about what you do in the session because you're sort of trying to make up for lost ground of the sessions that you missed it's like no you just turn up do the work um well it all stems from the, um, the goals as well uh, like you're now an exerciser like me <laughs> so i've got no you know, and, 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 and what i mean by that is that um i i, I want to be able to i don't know snatch clean and jerk a certain weight but i know if i had to do that i'd have to commit to a certain type of um, training uh, i'd probably be weightlifting heavy and then uh what that then leads me on is to a training plan at this moment in time and i think this is why i sort of fell in love with crossfit the methodology is i want to be able to do anything and i think you know like with any part you know, you're going to have some specificity, you know, let's, so let's, you know, with any sport, okay, whether that be the sport of fitness or rugby or cycling or whatever, there's, there's an element of specificity which you have to work to in order to bring your weak points up. But, uh, you know, um, you know, and that in, in that specificity, that's where those role of accessory movements, you know, may play a part. So, again, if you look at the West Side guys, you know, one thing that they did do um, is stress the importance of accessory work. So is it 20% of their training session is their, is their uh, specific lift uh, for the sport, and then the remainder of their session is accessory work. Now, some might say that's only specific to that type of powerlifting, but now you can see all the world's best powerlifters. Probably I've never seen Ray Williams do any accessory work. He's, i just seen that dude squat. Um, but um, and, and I'm not actually I'm not too sure um, what's his chops Kabuki strength oh, Chris Stuffman yeah if you not, if you he does he does I think if you if you do a bit of searching around he does more he doesn't really do the traditional accessory work but I mean I know that he has a lot of uh, like he does a, you know loads of sort of um, prevention clubs. Yeah, club. Yeah, so club training. You know, um, I know that he's huge. I mean, he's a big proponent of like um, DNS, which is like a is like a movement system, which is based on very much um, you know um, movement patterns that we were, we were able to do in childhood. You know, build build basically things from the floor up. You know, so he's he does loads of 
Turkish get-ups and stuff like that. Um, and he does stupid circus tricks with like, well, not stupid, they're quite impressive. I'll do it if I could do it. But, a kilo single arm snatch. Yeah, that. <laughs> I don't even think I've seen Krokov do that. <laughs> yeah. No, but that, that, that I mean. You, 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 yeah, no, I was just saying, you were saying about the, the, um, the sort of influence of the, the accessory work from Westside on the powerlifting world. Yeah, and um, it's, you know, their, their lifters tend to not get injured as much um, just because obviously if you're doing the same movement pattern and then you try and stress that quite uh, aggressively, then your element, you know, or, you know, you might get close to being injured and so the recovery protocols and stuff like that. So anything, everything's a balance. Uh, and again, I, t- I say this very candidly, um, Powerlifters generally can handle heavier volumes at high percentages at the same loads because they are generally running on higher levels of testosterone than most people. Okay, read into that what you will. But all, the red, just, all the red meat. <laughs> all, that red, all that Red Bull are drinking as well. And, uh, <laughs> you know, but that's just part, part of the sport. Do I, at no point do I think, um, you know, the taking of performance enhancing drugs means that they're average guys that become strong no 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 no. that's not the case you know and that's just what people who are not even involved in uh training will tell you right it's it just doesn't happen yes it, uh, it you know within certain sports it's, it's prevalent but for us for a second specifically in the strength sports if you're not taking it then you know you've probably never been heard of before i, I think that's you know sort of fair to say uh, now you know, you look at um, the recent news within CrossFit, you know, Matt Frazier. I mean, I like that was a shock to me, uh, him retiring, just specifically the time of the year in which he's done it. You know, I normally think someone would retire at the end um, when they've capitulated something which they wouldn't do. So I, whether or not he was unsure of whether he was going to retire at that moment, it's just sort of come in. But, you know, uh, possibly, um, you know, he's he has stated that his lifestyle and having to get up and to do all that grinding for that 0.1% just basically taking its toll and he, and he does have nothing left to prove um, you know within CrossFit I would have loved to have seen him you know do something like an Arnie and go seven times or a Haney and go eight times because he had the capacity to do that okay I don't think uh, you know we we, we, uh, we I think that is the case and I don't think anyone else would ever touch him on that um yeah you know you, you know so I'm, I'm i'm kind of sad on, on that particular reason but I, I get i get where he's coming from yeah. in terms of that maybe his body just couldn't take the demand of the sport i think that's the big thing right it's like I, of course i'm talking about bodybuilding here but the demand on the body is not as impactful as crossfit is just because of yeah. the fast moving parts etc yeah and i think that is uh i mean sort of Circling back to that news, I think that you were talking about the sort of specificity of doing it. Um, and you were talking, you had a point where you were saying that there was an element of CrossFit, which you were attracted to, which is being good at everything. And I think that I was definitely oh, attracted to that. Not being good at everything, being able to, like, being able to yeah. give it a go. <laughs> yeah, but like that, that, that was definitely something I was attracted to, you know, I was sort of, 
like I was doing some strength, I was doing strength and conditioning at uni with the rugby team. And then I was just always looking at stuff in my own time and then sort of came across Jim Jones. And I was like, this is pretty hardcore and this is quite cool. And they're, you know, doing some cool stuff. And then that led to CrossFit. And I think now we live in a world where the, the, the CrossFit athlete is becoming so focused in on what they do that they aren't necessarily able to do everything. And I think that the sport sort of demands that a little bit. And, you know, I was reading in the article that Matt Frazier or the morning chalk up put up on Matt Frazier. And he was saying that, you know, before the games, he didn't ride his motorcycle to the, to the gym. And it's sort of like, there's, there's a, there's a level of risk there with uh, just everyday life. But then as well as that, just the movements that you do in training and um, the sort of variation of, of what you do as well. Um, that like it, it very much limits you. And I think that if there's one thing that would be, you know, talking of Fraser only doing five years, um, or like only winning it five years and potentially going on for longer. But if you're looking at, say, someone who is not necessarily looking for as dominant a, uh, a career in the sport, um, but something that's a lot longer, you're probably going to have to live a little bit less focused and you're probably going to have to you know focus your training in on aspects which aren't necessarily as cut and dry and number focused as weightlifting and crossfit so you're probably going to have to do more elements of gymnastic strength training bodybuilding kettlebell training and all this type of stuff and i know we're very much categorizing these areas of training and saying their own separate thing but thinking about it, it's all just stress on the body and it's just stressing your body in a different way. And CrossFit does stress your body in a very similar way throughout. And the, the sort of, um, the nature of the sport itself is very much focused on doing things fast, doing a lot of things. And that in itself is going to, you know, create the potential, a lot higher potential for injury than the training required to uh you know be able to perfect certain gymnastics movements or be able to hit um a certain amount of contraction on on a, on a muscle part and things like that um i think one of the things that sort of really um i'd say confuses me a little bit about like bodybuilding is sort of the uh within their sort of posing routines and things like that you know everyone's just thinking that okay they they train really hard and then they flex and they get what they get. But then it's like through all that posing stuff, like bodybuilders end up becoming really exhausted by that because they're just putting so much tension through the body in those certain positions. And it's like, it's, 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 it baffles me that they're able to actually create so much sort of fatigue from that and that that be such a hard thing to do. Um, and that's mainly because of years of CrossFit I've done where it's like, put this from here to here, as many times as you can or as heavy as you can. And that's, that's how you sort of uh, categorize effort. And that's how you categorize um, something that's going to be difficult. Right. Well, when you talk about posing within bodybuilding, you've got to think about what you were just talking about with gymnastic bodies as well. That program is that, that what they're basically performing is an isometric hole. So, you know, they're trying to get the muscles to fire in particular positions so that they can display, you know, the, um, you know, the, the fullness or the, the graininess of the muscle. Plus, they're also trying to hide their weak points as well. So that, that's what the, you know, it all sort of comes down to is trying to flex. Well, not trying to flex, but there, there, is, there is an art form to it. I think just thinking that people are going up and, um, you know, just, 
well, dancing in a pair of like posing trunks. <laughs> it's just it's it's a bit um, it's, it's it's a bit naive. I mean, you know, like all guys have done this, and if anyone's you know says otherwise, I'm just going to call bullshit. But like trying to flex your lats like they do on stage, I'm like I'm like how the fuck do these people hit those positions? You know, like in terms of the mass and stuff like that. It's like it's unbelievable. Um, but sort of like uh, when you sort of come back to, um, you know, understanding the tolerance that, you know, Matt Frazier, like like his dominance, like did he finish second in his first ever CrossFit Games? I remember, I remember watching like his first ever regionals and he finished fourth. You, you know what I mean? It's like Tia Claire came onto the scene and finished second in her first ever CrossFit Games. You know, it's like... Yeah, these people are like the real deal. Whether or not someone can do that now because the sport has evolved, I don't know. But you have a look at the backgrounds of said individuals. Because I think even when Sarah Sigmund's daughter first came on, she finished third, you know. And so you know, she's not necessarily, and she's a great athlete herself. But in terms of like performance metrics and how you, we, we're marking these other two individuals, um, you know, maybe not sort of on the, on the, on the, on the same wavelength, you know, like with working with Jamie, you know, she, she finished 10th in her first um, CrossFit Games and then 11th in the second, then went up to third. And then it's obviously her fourth one is where she's been, you know, on the online one. So, you know, she finished 12th in that one. Um, so it's not necessarily the same kind of thing. Um, you can see that there's progress through there. Um, and I guess that's what you want to always be seeing, you know, so for, trying to figure out how someone can come into the sport and finish that high up. You have to look at either one, the genetics or the training background. And let's have a look at the two most dominant people that are in the sport at the moment. Okay, so Matt came from a weightlifting background. Okay, so spent loads of time developing that squat. I mean, you know, I'm a, I'm a massive lover of squatting. Okay, and then, um, you know, Tia, she was a, a sprinter, but also a multi-sport athlete. Okay, but again, you know, as I said, the development of the squat on that one, I mean, you know, if you've watched any of the YouTube videos, it's like, yeah, we just waited to see what all the other girls did, and then just Tia just did, did the max that someone else just started. With. It's just like, okay. Yeah, like, like I, I do remember, uh, was it Mr. Outlaw himself reading Nelson put out like a, a blog article when Frazier finished the regionals, and I think he, I think he may have just won the overhead uh, the no no 2014 uh, there was a snatch the, event 20 three RM there was a snatch event yes it was hang snatch yeah hang snatch yeah and and he and I think he put up something you know really really quite high for the time um, but you know he was like I told you guys it was going to be a 77 kilo weightlifter who just needed to find the sport at the right time and is going to win it and I think that you know you can obviously. At the end of the day, there's a, a lot of barbell work within CrossFit and he's obviously spent so much time developing those positions and developing, as you said, the squat. You know, if we sort of break this down into like, you know, very basic movement archetypes, his overhead position is great. And, you know, there's there's certain things, you know, if you watch him move, you know, especially with things like dumbbell squat snatches and single arm overhead squats, right? You, you watch at the CrossFit Games, there's some... You know, like specifically with the dumbbell overhead squat, there's some twisty dumbbell overhead squats and a lot of movement compensation going on in, in certain athletes. But like with him, he's sort of 
straight up and down as if it was a barbell. And he's just a lot more efficient through the patterns that are, that are required within CrossFit. Um, he probably, you know, if, if the guy was six, four and long legs and long arms, he probably wouldn't have been in the Olympic training center in the first place, but you know, he, he's able to, um, he's found a sport that he's been able to like harness his abilities and his training history. And as well as that, he has just sort of this personality and drive, which I just don't think is, you know, it's, it's just not normal. You don't see that from other individuals and, uh, I like I like his story because his story is of someone who had innate talent for the sport, but by bit by bit has visibly changed how he lives and how he approaches his training and how he approaches everything within his life to the point where he's been so dominant for the last five years. He's become a professional. Like a, I, I, Does that make sense? It's yeah. like I, you know, and this and this is just an observer, you know, because we are talking about you know, CrossFit. I, I don't want to say. Uh, you know, Rich thrown in loads of volume, loads and loads of volume, but wasn't necessarily uh, or didn't need to be as professional as Matt Fraser did. Does that make sense? So, like, I mean, you yeah, see him, like, drive, driving around in his go-kart, you know, shooting turkeys and stuff like that. Um, and so it's, it, it, I guess that's what uh, tended to happen with these, uh, any early adapters of any sport. I mean, you just look at rugby. If we look at rugby, oh, sorry, even like NFL, right, which now you have to be super dedicated. I know there's a load of guys that are not, but I think John Wellborn posted um, a picture of some quarterback who's the same age as Tom Brady and won it for the Oakland Raiders or the LA Raiders, as they were, and he's walking to the game smoking a cigarette. Now, you look at the Tom Brady. Tom Brady is a massive paleo aficionado, or I, I, I know he's not plant-based. He's low-carb. plant-based now. He's plant-based now, is he? Yeah, he's plant-based now, I think, um, which is which is interesting. A lot of people think that that's, that's anyway. Well, well, no, no, no. I mean, like, I, I think there's some there's, there's there's some worth in it, right? You know, I haven't done a carnival diet, and, but I think as you get older, um, maybe you don't need – does that make sense? Like, I think in order to – you have to incorporate – but it, that being said – nutrition aside he does everything within his power to make sure that his career continues does that make sense it's the christian ronaldo example right so you had christian ronaldo and wayne rooney in the same manchester united side right? i think wayne rooney's back playing at derby now right but christian ronaldo's gone on and gone on, gone on, gone on, gone on. and it comes down to the work that they're prepared to do outside of the game and I specifically within the team sports, I think you'll find that those with the most talent and the most dedication will have longer careers. If nothing, you know, was to like completely destroy them, you know. And I and I, <clears throat> that's that's something which I think is now you're seeing within the CrossFit realm is that you know let's be honest, right? There's a lot of people that are getting into the sport now where you know they're strong guys, uh, they move well, but I, I, they just you know, they don't like to suffer. You know what I mean? Um, and, you know, the bigger guys are gonna, always going to do well on the assault bikes, the rowing and all that kind of stuff. But the only way that Matt kept himself up with those bigger guys on the conditioning pieces is by suffering. Because, I mean, he was, he was a big dude. He was 200 pounds at five foot seven, something like that. You know, so there's a lot of mass there. Um, but, you know, it's still, you will always see him on a conditioning piece 
finishing within the top five. You know, typically with guys are uh, uh, you know, big on it. And it's one of the things that I say to Jay is like, you have to be able to hurt a little bit more on those pieces because of her stature compared to, let's say, you know, someone who's like an Amanda Barnhart who's like five foot nine, you know, long, long limby and stuff like that. So, so there's all there's all these kind of things you have to take into consideration. Um, but that being said, uh, we, you know, we've come around on a roundabout way of bodybuilding, accessory work and stuff like that. Um, you know, we talk about Matt Frazier. Matt Frazier's had to do a lot of accessory work and continues to do so because he's had such a bad uh, injury with his back. So that just shows, you know, he, you know, you have a look in his garage and you see a reverse hyper in there. You see the GHD machine in there. Um, you know, I've, I've recently seen stuff that, you know, Tia's doing GHRs or doing ham raises, okay? So again, there's certain movement patterns within CrossFit because it's very much sagittal focused that, you know, you're going to get a lot of back, you're going to get a lot of quads and you do have to make sure that, you know, you're working your hamstrings through, you know, through a full range of motion flexion, you know, like, like we do with uh, hand raise, etc. Um, you know, in order just to compensate and help the bigger movement patterns. So it's, I don't think anyone likes starting doing GHRs with a band, do they? They think, right, I'm going to jump on here and then I'm going to roll through it. And then all of a sudden, they get, get cramping yeah i mean uh, there's a target which i've got i'm not ready to do it right but i i want to be able to achieve a nordic i have never been able to develop my nordic and um it's a long old process it's a two-year process but i i still don't think there's anything as impressive in the strength and conditioning training world than someone going all the way down to the floor touching it with their nose and coming all the way back up yeah there's that there's that nfl athlete i think who did like 10 in a row and it's sort of and and it's sort of a, so a nordic to those yes yeah, obviously the, the listeners, it's essentially a glute ham raise so it's sort of the uh the ghd machine where a lot of people like to um you know whip their head back and forth and get dizzy you basically get yourself set up on it and this is actually the original use for the machine you put your feet in and your knees are on the pad on and top. you're sort of facing yeah, you're on top, so you're sort of no, facing the, forward, yeah, the and uh, and then you like lower yourself down to a parallel position with the floor, and then you use your hamstrings to sort of curl yourself back up. Now, imagine doing that on a flat surface on the floor where your knees can't go into any pads. So essentially, just uh, it just it just makes the angle so much more aggressive, makes it a lot harder to control. So usually, most people do this with. Um, something to anchor them down on the floor so imagine you're in a tall kneeling position someone's got a hold of your feet so you don't move and you basically lower yourself down pull yourself back up isolating your hamstrings to do so it's it's a very very difficult movement it's a great movement to do as a, like a negative and then do an explosive push-up at the top that's something that i've uh, definitely got classes of people doing um, and i always tell them be very careful. You are probably going to get cramp if you just fly through these super quick. So be nice and controlled. Uh, and uh, But anyway, it's a very difficult movement. Something I'm actually working on at the moment as well. Um, I'm doing a bit of a knee over toe it's protocol. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And um, I'm, yeah, like he, he's a big, um, big proponent of it with uh, 
with just general knee health. And but I think that's pretty it's, cool. It makes sense, Luke, you know, just to sort of it does, yeah. step in there. Uh, you know, like, I think everything has been gymified, you know, and, you know, as I, I think this is one of the interpretations that's kind of gone awry, depending on who delivers a level one sometimes in regards to like keeping the heels down. You want to keep all your foot on the floor. You don't want to, don't want to, what we don't want to be doing in terms of physics, okay, is shifting into the toes, right? You want as, as much um, surface area on the floor in order to drive power through it in terms of like, so physics. So heels down means just keep the heels down on the floor, right? But you have a look at Chinese weightlifting, they talk about midfoot. Well, if you're going to drive through midfoot, guess what? You're going to have your toe down and your heel down. Um, where it comes to the knees over the toes thing, well, it, it kind of starts to make sense because you're starting to work through a full range of motion through your knee, okay, um, with good ankle dorsiflexion. Um, like I was, there was, um, I like listened to one of the Power Athlete podcasts where John Welburn talks about um, at, when he was growing up, um, he squatted like a power lifter which is very much hips back vertical shit and what he found is is that even though he could squat quite easily 600 pounds that didn't necessarily transfer to his athletic uh capacity on the pitch and it was only until he started doing high bar and then feet elevated or just a normal high bar back squat and shoes that he found that started to transfer across to athleticism and I think when you have a look at the mechanics in and around the ankle, knee and hip on that high bar back squat with a foot, foot elevated, this is when we start talking more about running, producing power, you know, triple extension, that kind of thing. Um, and that's when, you know, uh, one of the big things, I guess, is um, weightlifting shoes. It's a big, big thing in CrossFit not to wear it. It's almost seen as a weakness. But when you talk about strength and development, and you talk about Tia and Matt, for example, those two are massive proponents. You know, it's another thing. Um, you know, I can talk quite candidly on this. Is that you know, I'm like Jamie, put weightlifting shoes on. Oh, you know, I like, I like, just put them on. I'm like, you're putting yourself into a more powerful position. Okay, and you know, it, it's, it's, you can see how. I remember. I remember when you coached me, and I was asking you about it, and this is what. So now seven, nearly eight years ago, I remember I was like, oh, do I need, do, you know, should I wear them? Uh, this lad over here, he tells me, you know, he, he doesn't wear them. And I think, you know, I think Froning at the time, obviously was He's the never uh, top dog. And he was never wearing them. And so everyone was sort of trying to emulate that. And I remember you, you sort of said, you take creatine, don't you? And I was like, yep five grams a day, every day. And you were like, well, put your fucking weightlifting shoes on. <laughs> but yeah. Um... Well, I mean, it's, 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 it's an outlier. So um, bonkers, I, again, I've, this is just coming to my head. So Ben Smith, um, he's like indifferent, right? So Ben Smith, and the reason why I'm saying Ben Smith and Rich Froning, right? Both of them have had knee issues, right? And they don't wear weightlifting shoes. Maybe that's just a coincidence. Maybe. Yeah, so I mean, I think bottom line is it's something that can provide a more stable footing for people. Obviously, those pe there's going to be some people. I mean, for instance, there's that Japanese weightlifter who snatches in metcons, yes. cleans 
in lifters, right? So he, um, so obviously you have someone there who basically their income and everything comes down to their ability to have a good stable squat. Um, and for them, they find that potentially with the sort of front loaded squat, they are more comfortable and more stable through that. Obviously that is the squat that requires more leg, uh, leg strength rather than the lift that requires more leg strength. So there's something to be sort of said there. And I think that sort of circling back. Yeah. And but circling back to like the, the discussion around using weightlifting shoes, putting your knees over your toes and these types of things. It's like, this is where we can sort of start to see the integration of thinking like a bodybuilder, thinking like someone who is focused on movement and allowing that to then display power, which is obviously what, you know, the likes of CrossFitters, weightlifters, powerlifters uh, are all about. So you, you obviously have there something which, you know, people are paying attention towards more on like an anatomical side, you know, very much focusing on, you know, the angle of dorsiflexion that you can get. That is something that is required in the sport and not necessarily having like just the biggest, uh, you know, being able to have like the biggest 20 rep max squat, no matter what it looks like, that isn't necessarily going to get you to where you want to be within CrossFit. Whereas if you have a nice upright, good position, you're able to... squat a decent amount you know for however much um but like it is it's very positional focused and i think within crossfit it's important that you know you um the i mean it's very much biased towards those individuals who can squat very very upright because you have thrusters you have cleans you have wobble you have all of these different movements which require that as a position um it's not necessarily about putting a bar on your back and just being able to rep out however much um it's not about just always power, power, power. If it looks like shit, if your hips are coming up and you end up good morning, you know, the last portion of the rep, well, guess what? You're not going to be able to do that when you've got heavy front squats in the middle of a workout because you're going to drop the bar uh, down in front of you. So it's really important that, you know, some portions of your training are focused in on, you know, more nuanced type stuff. And I think that maybe that's what like a lot of this conversation is is about. It's sort of, you know, it's, it's allowing that nuance within your training, the sort of the, the, the gray area where it might not necessarily be as clear cut as numbers and metrics and things like that. And focusing on positions and shapes and contractions and this type of stuff, because it all brings it back to the sport, the performance, the longevity and being able to deliver. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I, I guess it's, it's you you it's just not getting comfortable with you know how um like I, I know a couple of people that all i ever see them doing is two different exercises on instagram and i'm like you need to do some more exercises does that does that you know people post what they're good at if we're going to use social media as a, as, as a as a thing and then, and how many people do we know within the sport that you're thinking, oh, wow, they, these guys are going to turn up and they're going to rush it. And then they win the snatch lab and then they don't do anything else. Um, or, you know, it's um, <laughs> it, and it's because of all these different accessory pieces, you know. Um, I, I, you know, just coming back to the, the, the squatting bit, I mean, it's just, as I said, it's not it's not causation, it's a correlation. And um, I, I, I think you have to mix it up because... 
you know, just think about the knee angle more than anything. Is that you do have to go through an extreme uh, or th- more more range through the knee in order to develop the strength in that range. Does if that makes sense, you know? So if you are and you enjoy squatting in trainers, let's say, then the knee is going to take a particularly at a certain angle. If your dorsiflexion isn't where it needs to be, or you've got some um, stiffness in and around the hips, which allows you to squat, you know, fairly st- strong weight. However. In order to improve strength in and around that VMO and um, all the extensors of the knee and the quad, then you know, I definitely would mix it up, you know, just to sort of prolong it. Um, and I and I guess this knees over toes guy, apologies, I don't know his name, but um, I got introduced to him a couple of months ago, and some of the results that they're getting are, you know, are phenomenal. Um, but they take a very very graduated approach to and I mean that is small baby steps, and some of the it's like anything. You always see the end uh, end piece, um, and oh god, yeah. I remember just just trying out the um, the lunges, and I was like, yeah, I ain't using a barbell for that. I'm like, no. And then I tried it just on, you know, oh yeah, I can do lunges, and so the lunges that they want, I was like, no, I'm gonna have to a step there put a step there and then i was like oh this step's gonna have to be even higher so i can get that full range ass to heel and what have you and i couldn't believe the soreness i had in my uh, my vmos the next day but it's very um interesting how that's developed uh, over time and um you know i actually feel better for it just because i now stretch you know it's a bit like the whole mobility flexibility stretching thing it's like you know, do we become tight because we're not strong through a position? And um, I think people, we still don't know. We still, you know, it's like, you know, people doing yoga. Well, I think you know, if you do yoga all the time, then, yeah, you are going to become flexible and your muscles are going to become uh, passive through positions. But if you go to pick something up, being flexible in position doesn't mean you're strong in it. And so you can still fuck your back up. And, you know, you could still hurt yourself just based on the fact you've become more flexible. So something like that knees over toes, I can, I can kind of see it. And that's how the red pill guys work as well, is that they want you to become strong in range of motion, uh, you know, sort of just uh, you know, hit bits and pieces. Um, and I, yeah, and I and I just coming back to like the kettlebell training uh, that I've been doing, it's just because like I've been doing like Turkish get-ups every day and I just feel, all my joints feel better for it. Maybe not my, my elbows sometimes with the really heavy one coming down, but my hips, just because I'm going through this uh, slightly different position, my shoulders, which I've had issues with, feel great. Um, and I just think it's because it's I'm, 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 I'm loaded. Does that make sense? I'm not necessarily just being passive through these positions. I'm going to expect a video of you doing Turkish get-ups with uh, Angie. Like old school CrossFit days. Well, is that, just on a, just a, yeah, just on a funny one of this. I actually think a kettlebell is harder than a person, and than hundred <laughs> percent. And the reason being is, is that because it's so dense and it's in that what you've got, you have more um, instability. Does that make sense? Like a, like a barbell because it's so big, it actually gives you a little bit more stability. Likewise with a person. But I challenge people if you've lifted up like say a sixty kilo. Uh, person on a Turkish get-up, I'm like, pick up the 40 kilo kettlebell and now. Well, most people don't have it, and most people's kettlebells just go up to 32, and that's it. So then, you know, 
but yeah yeah so well on that note let's uh let's get people's videos in uh (laughs) of you guys doing 40 kilo turkish get up and um yeah we'll uh we'll put a waiver up in the show notes so you guys can't sue us (laughs) 